The following is a paid program. Portions of this program may have been pre-recorded. All views or opinions expressed are solely the responsibility of the sponsored. The host and guests do not reflect that of this station, ownership, management, or staff. This station does not endorse or support any claims made. The content of this program is provided for educational and informational purposes. It is strictly up to the listener to accept or reject what is presented. Thank you for listening. Broadcasting from Lockport, New York, and proud of it. Hometown 1340, WLBL, Lockport. Good morning, and welcome to Ask the Pro, a paid commercial program. The opinions expressed are those of the participating clients and not necessarily those of the management and staff of WLVL. Ask the Pro is an informational-based program designed to advertise the product and or service of the client and to introduce them to the WLVL listening audience. Your questions and comments are welcome throughout the show. Just call 716-433-1433. Right, and today is Friday, April 28th, already the end of the month. Dr. Kerbs, welcome back. We've missed you so much. <laughs> Thank you very much, Eric. It's good to be back. Yes. yes we, did meet, we did miss uh, two weeks ago. I was on an uh, incredible adventure from Lockport, New York to Providence, Rhode Island <laughs> in a uh, hunt for apartments for my uh, lovely daughter, the brand new Dr. Hannah E. Curbs. Ooh, uh, that has a nice ring to it, doesn't so, it? So, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. It's for, so for my second child who have followed me and, uh, you know, received her doctorate degree, um, it's it's, I'm so proud. I'm just so proud. They've just my kids have just done amazing things, and they're just uh, really moving on in their lives and uh, going on. So she's going on to the next chapter now that she just completed her internship in Fort Lauderdale, um, graduated on my 40th anniversary of becoming a chiropractor, and um, and now is moving on to take a position. She's signed a two year contract in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, and moving there. So. Which which anniversary of that? My 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 fortieth anniversary. Well, congratulations! Yes, yes, so it's pretty amazing that I I graduated from chiropractic school in March of nineteen eighty three, and she graduated in March of twenty twenty three. So wow, yeah, and my That's... son Jordan, who has been a chiropractor now for five and a half years, um, he's currently practicing in uh, Norway. Right now, oh, I'm sorry, Norway. He was practicing in Norway. He's in Ithaca, Ithaca now. Man, so, that's great! What a what a proud daddy you yeah, must be. Yeah, they're great, so great. And and not, I mean, that's two of my children. My other, you know, I mean, my oldest daughter is a teacher in Thailand for the last six years. My fourth child, Sarah, she is a, a chemist in the research and development department at, at Corning Glass. And my youngest child, Michaela, is a third year nursing student at St. John Fisher. So wow. they're all moving on to bigger and better things. Isn't that something? So, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Ask the Pro here in WLVL 1340 AM, streaming worldwide at WLVL.com. And of course, if you ever miss any of the great programming here, didn't catch all of the Dr. Curb show, just go to WLVL.com, hit the podcast, and you will find every show that we've ever done for the last long, long time. For a while. Not as long as I've been on the air. No, but you've been on the air for what, 30 years? 30, yeah, let's see. It'll be 32, 32 years in March it was. 32, 32 years. 32 years in March, yeah. Wow, that's, so yeah. you're you're the you're the old guy here. I, I am the OG of Ask the Pro. That's for sure. <laughs> you are. Yes, I am. 
That's I great. was on the very first uh, uh, flagship, uh, the very beginning shows. Um, I was asked to be on this. Uh, Clip Smith was the host of the show back then, if anybody remembers Clip. Who, could, who, could ever, who could ever forget him? An absolutely wonderful human being. Yes, he was. Um, and, yeah, we started that 30, 32 years ago. And I am. I think I'm the only one that has... I have never broken that. I have been on consistently for 32 years. Yeah. So. Yep. You're 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 the grandpa <laughs> daddy. <laughs> yeah. Grandpa daddy. Yeah. That's the pro. Yeah. I haven't aged a bit in that entire time. You have not. I I can no. I can attest to that. Yes. You look the same as you did 30. I know. 32 years I ago, know. back when we were pals in, in college. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my hair is just a little grayer. That's it. That's but the only I, thing that's changed. I tell folks I had to dye my hair gray to look this old. <laughs> so I'd fit in around here. <laughs> but anyway, Curbs oh, Chiropractic and Family Wellness um, is located at 741 Davison Road here in Lockport. If you would like to have a consultation with him one-on-one, you can call his office at 434-0671, 434 434- Zero six seven one. But in the meantime, if you have anything that you would like to talk about, whether it be chiropractic or family or whatever's on your mind, you can give us a call here at the station. I'd love to have you on the air at four three three one four three three in the stubborn one shack. Yes, and we are live, and we are here to take your call. So let's yeah, let's get know, her done. I, I always love it when it's interactive. Um, it's interesting because my my side, you know, like my side hustle in in life is you know, many people know me that I'm a pretty avid gardener and stuff like that. So um, I actually did a, a talk for the uh, Wheatfield Garden Club on Wednesday night. So that was an interesting little thing, but um, I always, you know, when I, whenever I'm talking in front of a group, it's like it's so much better when it's interactive, you know, when people start responding to you and you know and, and having a conversation. That's what I love about this show too, is because you know there's some people that are regular callers, which I so appreciate because they're, you know, they really take the time to look things up, to really yep. dig into things and and ask appropriate questions and really engage in a in what I call a, a very logical conversation. Um, so I've always appreciated that, you know, the people out there that do that kind of stuff so it's good that's right yep now speaking of your horticultural adventures i remember last winter you had a hard time storing some oh, of your gosh. plants yeah. what happened to all those yeah. plants that they yeah um it was, a, it was a very traumatic um fall and winter for me um, s- um i was able to sell some of the really good ones off um i lost many of them um one of my because it realizes my my plants are the ones that I have are not winter hardy. They are, you know, I had an eight foot banana tree. You know, I ended up losing that altogether. Uh-huh. Um, I had lemons, limes, kumquats, pomegranates, figs, all those things. You know, and so um, the ones that I couldn't um, find homes for, I kind of stuck as much in different places as I could. I had a awesome patient of mine who stepped up and had access to um, an. Uh, unused school building in Niagara Falls, um, and she was able to house about twenty of them for me. Um, so that was that was a lifesaver because that 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 got me over the hump. Um, I brought more into my house than my wife uh, really appreciated, um, <laughs> but it was in my desperate um, in my desperate attempt to um, save things. But it also forced me to thin down the collection and and you know minimize a little bit more because it was getting 
it was getting out of hand. There was, there was too much. There's just too much, you know, but again, with me and plants, it's just like, I've been doing it for so many years that I can make just about anything grow. And then I divide and then I, you know, and all that stuff. So, oh, that was another thing. I, in my garden in the springtime, this year I cleaned out my pond. If anybody's looking for water lilies, please contact me. Um, I have about a hundred of them that I would like to find new homes for. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh. Um, there's a lot of them. Um, and the other thing too is this spring. Um, so for people who have been to my home during the garden walks and, you know, just driving in the neighborhood and seeing my house, my house has needed a paint job quite desperately for a number of years. Well, that is in its final day of completion right now. Um, my house has been transformed. So I'm just so thrilled and, um, proud of it again, you know, because it's, it's been, oh, it just does. And, you know, um, the the gentleman uh, Roosevelt Mitchell, who's out of uh, Medina, um, has just done such an amazing job. And you know, him and I talked quite a bit about it. And uh, we, um, you know, he really listened to me. I had many people come in and give me estimates, and um, he was a guy that just really listened to me. And I really appreciate what he did. You know, and so he's, he, he owns a company called USA Value Painters. It's based out of Medina. Mm-hmm. Roosevelt Mitchell's his name. And, you know, people go by my house, take a look at it and see what you think. You know, if you, if you think he did a good job, please contact me and I'll get you in touch with him. You know, he was, he was right in the ballpark with everybody else as far as, you know, as far as uh, appraisals and, you know, value, you know, as far as cost and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he was just a step above in what he did and, and how he's handled it. Um, and I'm just thrilled. Thrilled at the transformation of my house. It really is nice. Yeah, so, it's, it's, that's so nice. Yeah, what a beautiful place to live. Yeah, yeah. I, I I picked out all the colors. I've been I've been mulling over these colors for years, and uh, I finally uh, was very nervous about. It. I was so nervous about it that I actually um, just before they started. I literally drew an entire, I took a big, got a big poster board and I literally drew out a scaled model of my house. <laughs> and then I painted the house with all the colors, I, the color choices that I, that I had. And, uh, that was how my wife like rolled her eyes. Everybody's like, oh, really? You went a little too far. It's like, no, I had to do it in order for me to make sure. And, uh, I, and as the process went on, there was not a single thing I had to change. It was, I just love it all. I love how it all turned out. Beautiful. So it's good. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Hey, four three three one four three three. We are live in studio with Dr. Ken Kerbs. All things chiropractic from Kerbs Family Chiropractic and Wellness Center right here in Lockport. Lockport, New York. Isn't it amazing? You know, I wanted to share a little bit about because I had not ever spent a lot of time in New England. I've been to Boston a couple times and stuff like that. I'd never been to Rhode Island. Um, and it's fascinating because, you know, you're you're talking about like the birthplace of our country, you know, in that right. whole area of the country. And I, I knew Rhode Island was small, but I never knew how small. It's only 47 miles from north to south and 34 miles from east to west. Really? Yeah. It's incredible. You know, it's like it's it's not much. I don't think it's much bigger than Erie County, actually, <laughs> you know, and um, it, it's amazing what's packed in there, you know. So, um there were, you know, the the city of Providence, which is the capital, and that's where my daughter is living. Um, 
there's a lot of it's very divided into very specific neighborhoods and fields. Just like you know, old time, you know, back in the days of Buffalo, you know, you had the east side, the west side, you know, you right. know, you had you had the different sides which which tended to lean towards certain um, you know nationalities or right. so forth. They were associated with that. In Providence, it's kind of the same way. Um, but it was interesting, the housing market, because you don't see a lot of, like, apartment complexes because, again, so, things are so old there. Right. Um, houses. So they're mostly houses. And, you know, and we looked at a lot of third-floor attic apartments, you know, and I told my daughter, I go, you really want to do that? I mean, you know, some of them were okay, but it's like, do you really want to be drudging up and down those stairs, you know, every day, multiple times a day? Um, so she found it, she found the exact location she wanted to be in an area called Wayland Square. Um, she's literally two blocks from Wayland Square and she's right down the street from Brown University. Um, so she's in a really cool area. Um, she actually, the office she's going to be working in is actually in Seekonk, Massachusetts, but it's literally right across the border. So, you know, she has a nine minute drive from her apartment to the office. Um, so it's really, it's really a good, uh, it's a good fit for her. It's a great start for her. I really, people always say, well, why don't, why don't your kids work with you? And it's like, I've always felt that my kids and they felt too, they need to establish themselves first, you know, uh, right. as far as finding their own feet and, and getting, you know, and getting their bearings as far as how they're, how they want to practice. Um, I never wanted them to come right out of school and come right into practice with me. I hope someday one of, one or both of them decide to do that, but that's mm-hmm. a that they'll make sure you know i still got a, a a lot of good years left in me so i'm still going strong so that's good i yeah. should hope that retirement is not in the picture it's never but you know people ask me that all the time and you know i mean I, i've been in this game for 40 years and it's like i'm still very excited about it especially having two children now following me in the thing it gets me more excited you know and i'm still learning and still progressing and still you know doing the things i want to do and i thoroughly enjoy it and that's that's the beauty of it you know i've never i've never there's never been a day i didn't want to go to work you know it's just nice so can't beat that with a stick yeah i see people retire way too early and then like what do you do you know what do you do with your life you know and 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 it's like retire and then go get another job well that wasn't the point of retiring right you know if you want to do that um or retire and die yeah and that you know well that interesting point um social security standards on the average age post-retirement what is it how long do people live on average after retirement? Now, this takes everybody into account. Last thing was like 11 years, I think. Is that what you think? That's what I think. I it's heard. 22 months. Really? Yes, it's 22 Not months. Not even two years. Not even two years. That is the average life expectancy after retirement. And now realize that takes everybody into account. Like So, so we, we talked about this last um, time I was here, but my father just passed away. Right. So my father passed away at the age of 94. Okay, he'd been retired for 32 years. Right. All right. On contrast, my sister died at the age of 43. She never made it to retirement. Right. Okay. So when you're taking the average, that's what I'm talking about. You're taking about everybody, people who never make it to retirement and people who live far beyond what they would ever expect. And I had that contrast in my own family. You know, my sister dies at 43. My dad lives 50 years more than that, you know. Um, So, you know, that's the kind of thing. But it's scary to think that, you know, how many times you see people that just work and work and work and work and work and work all the overtime and do all these things. And then they, you know, they retire and they die within a year or they 
you know, they've worked themselves to death and have no other interests, you know, and end up developing cancer and pass away and never get to enjoy all that they worked for, all that they saved for, you know, and I just, I just, I look at it differently. I mean, I thoroughly enjoy what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my work schedule is to the point that it really conforms well with my lifestyle and, you know, it works nice. It, yep. it just it's just very comfortable and I have a very I love the relationship that I have with the patients and you know the work that we do together and it's, it's kind of cool so yeah it is good because you know a lot of times people just are so fixated on collecting stuff right and then they get to a certain age where they got to figure out how to get rid of all well that's stuff. and you know I'm at that point I collected a lot of stuff yeah over the years and I'm sitting there I'm look I look at it now and go why did I do that you know why why right I would love to get rid of it you know I know that when I went about eight years ago, I made the transition of moving offices. So I went from an office. I, I downsized considerably in my office. Best move I ever made. But it was like I look back at it and go, why did I do that? You know, not move. I said, why did I ever go to that much larger office, with, which was so much more to deal with and take care of? You know, it's sometimes uh, uh, simpler is better. <laughs> yeah, less is less yeah. is more. Yeah, it really is. Yep. It really is. I enjoyed that. Good stuff. Hey, 433-1433, if you'd like to join the conversation, ask Dr. Ken pretty much anything you want. He's going to give you an honest answer without the uh, hyperbole that goes along with other talk shows that you might hear in this world. It's coming up on 1030 here, WLVL 1340 AM, streaming worldwide at WLVL.com. Again, that's 433-1433. Don't be afraid to... Pitch into the conversation you were about to say, Doctor. I'm just uh, as we as we look back, getting back into the health aspect that we're talking about. You know, we're we're uh, now uh, three plus years post uh, onset of this um, pandemic thing, and um, the data that's coming out now is quite revealing and uh, quite shocking. And I just I, I hope that at some point. Some people are held accountable for the decisions that they made, you know, and the life altering changes that they made within our society and within our world. Um, that when you look retrospectively back at it, um, most of it was unnecessary and it was a uh, very far reaching. And what it did was, uh, really destroyed a lot of people, not only physically, but emotionally and forever. And I look at the, the you know, how our world has changed in those times and it's, it's frustrating because you look at areas. It was, in, it was very interesting because I was listening to a podcast this morning and it's a guy that I've been listening to for a while now. And he's, he was born, he's an American citizen, but he was born in Iran. He's of Persian descent. And I believe, and I don't know if he is Muslim or not. I'm not sure. But in the conversation this morning, there was a gentleman that was on the panel that was Muslim and talking about the Muslim community and how they, how they handled the pandemic. And they just didn't. They just went about their lives, you know, and just did it. And we're very much not affected by it. And, you know, what happened was we created this um, phenomenal fear factor and this unknowing and all this craziness 
um, about this thing that put people in an absolute frenzy and panic that literally, um, you know, put family members against each other and, and, you know, uh, you know, people were dying and nobody was able to be near them when they died because of the fear of what this was doing and, um, all the false claims that were made and all of the, uh, interesting things that were done, you know, through that process. And you step back and look at it and say, wow, was that really, was that really necessary? Um, I look back at it being in the healthcare field, you know, for, for all these years and say, no, it wasn't necessary. Uh, they knew very quickly who was the vulnerable part of the population. And those are the people that certainly should have been protected. Um, but to shut down the world as a result of that, I think was a huge mistake. And I just hope as, as more data starts coming out and more is revealed that that stuff, you know, is exposed the way that it should be and not suppressed. So, so the, the ones that should be protected, those are the ones that got sent from the hospital back into the nursing homes to spread yeah, the disease abs- to kill uh, 15,000 Ameri- uh, New Yorkers? That is, exactly the, that is exactly the situation that occurred there, okay? Yeah. You know, and, and you look at this, and I, and I can remember in the very beginning of this thing when people were panicking and doing all this stuff. And I'll, I'll remember, this was March. It, it was March of 2020. Um, it, it was right in the beginning. Uh, the second week of March, my receptionist absolutely panicked and left, um, never to return again. And so many people were panicking out of control almost, you know, it was just out of control. And I'll never forget when I heard a patient of mine who was an, uh, an employee at the, um, at Lockport hospital that within the first month, okay, we were, we were scared that the hospitals were going to be overrun. That it was going to be so unbelievable that we weren't going to be able to handle this. And in the first month, Lockport Hospital laid off 60 people, okay, because they literally – because they stopped everything. You know, any elective procedures, you know, anything like that was all stopped. And they never recovered from that because they're closed. Well, (laughs) yes. I mean it just – you know, it was not a good time to begin with and then it just made it just that much worse. Right. Um, And I never saw the craziness of – you know, the, the worldwide pandemic that people were dropping like flies. I don't know. I just went about my business, you know, and many people did, but, um, so much of the world did not. And it was, it was kind of sad to see that happen. Uh, the restrictions of like going into Canada, you know, like I, um, now it's funny. My, my son-in-law is coming in, is flying in from Thailand, um, in June. And, you know, he's originally from Winnipeg, Manitoba. So being Canadian, him and my daughter were during the early days of the pandemic were they couldn't go to each other's countries. You know, they were they had to be isolated and separated from each other. Um, so now he was he's coming in and he's going to come to visit my wife and I. Um, so he said, hey, uh, you know, if I if I fly into Hamilton Airport, it's it's considerably cheaper for him to fly from from Winnipeg to Hamilton. It is from Winnipeg to Buffalo. There's only, a, you know, it's only a little over an hour distance, but it's a huge difference in price. And uh, he can get a direct flight as opposed to jumping to multiple steps. And he says, uh, is there any way you can pick me up? And I said, absolutely. I could because the last time he came, I could not get him. OK, I couldn't cross. I wasn't right, allowed even, to cross religion. the border. But now everything's done. You know, there's no there's no you know, no one's asking you anything. There's no restrictions. There's no proof of anything. There's nothing. Absolutely nothing going on, you know, and it's just crazy. It, it, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, 
So, and you, you want to say, was that really necessary to do all that? You know, there are still pe- many people that say, absolutely. And, that, you know, you still see the people out there that are still masking up and irrelevant of what the science has shown about masking. They're still doing it and they're still, you know, walking around in fear and, you know, still every once in a while go by a person where they'll kind of like step away from you as they, you know, walk by to make sure they keep their distance. And it's just so frustrating if people even understood how viruses worked you know your six feet distance is going to make a difference your you know mask they even showed that even the n95 masks which were they were touting was the only way to go even those made such a insignificant difference you know in the in the possible transmission of that disease that they said wearing masks only altered it by something like one or less than one percent altogether in their in a relative risk and so you sit there and go wow and you couldn't go any place you couldn't go into a store you couldn't do anything without being quote protected um i don't know but what a great opportunity for virtue signaling oh absolutely absolutely i said this for so many times throughout the pandemic that if there was no media coverage and if there was no mask mandating you would have never known anything was going on there that's right you would have never known you know, it would, they would have they would have probably come out and said we had a pretty rough flu season is what they would have said in the long run. But obviously, when you look back at it and say, you know, the the there was a there was a bigger agenda out there. There was a certain uh, purpose and things were I I personally think that things were planned out in advance only because um, things started falling into place like right away, literally within the first week of of um, March of 2020, I received a notification about a specific ICT-10 diagnostic code for COVID. Um, yet that was, nobody really knew what was going on yet, but they already had those things in line, you know. And then you heard about the incentives of, you know, putting a COVID diagnosis, you know, was an increased reimbursement and putting a person on a ventilator with a COVID diagnosis was, you know, was an, an incentive, and then also, and the one I couldn't believe even more so was that if the cause of death was listed as COVID, that the government paid for your funeral. And, um, and I verified that with some, with some, a couple different uh, funeral homes saying absolutely. And as yeah. far as I know, it's still an effect that yeah. if, you know, so first of all, the, the, the caveat is if you, if your funeral was prepaid, then it does not come into you you don't get that you don't get that privilege um but that if you um died and the and covid was the list of death it reimbursed a certain amount i think it was something like and again don't quote me on this i think it was something like seven thousand dollars for a funeral and something like three thousand dollars for a cremation um you had to pay for it up front uh to the funeral home but then you were uh reimbursed by whoever reimbursed government whatever whoever did that you know, and I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? So there was huge incentives to make the numbers look so much greater than what they were. Um, you know, people were listing, you know, COVID as cause of deaths when they were dying from heart attacks, automobile accidents, Motorcycle accident, all yeah. those type of Get things were happening, bus. you know, and they were listing COVID as a death. And um, it's really interesting, you know, even people. And again, we go back to the facts of 82 was the average age that died, okay, 82 years old, mm-hmm. 
and 75% of those that died had four or more comorbidities, which means these were extremely unhealthy people that were walking a very fine line between life and death. And those are the people that die when they get those type of things. Those are the people that die when they get a cold. You know, they they walk a fine line as far as their overall immune systems and the ability for their body to recover. And so that is what we saw. We saw it right from the beginning. We saw it all the way through. Of course, heaven forbid, if somebody outside of that group died, you know, a child or something like that, I always say, what were, what were the underlying circumstances? Was this a perfectly healthy, robust child, you know, who was only stricken with this particular thing and died as a sole cause of that? And I say that... I'd like to see the proof on that because if there was a child that died, they were usually significantly immunocompromised. There were some other significant factors involved with the death. So if if, if somebody is out there, knows of somebody who and can prove that there was absolutely no other um, uh, conflicting parameters within the, the death of that person, I'd like to know about that. That's right. Give us a call at 433-1433. Let me know. Even if you don't know, you can give us a call (laughs) at 433-1433. Just stop in, say hi for a minute. Doc's been gone for quite a while, so uh, I know everybody's missed him. So People will wait till the last minute and then they'll start calling and we can't get to the call. So it's like we still have time to, uh, you know, take your calls and comments. That's kind of what happened on Tradio this morning. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it gets a little frustrating when all of a sudden you get, you know, you get three or four calls laid up at the very, in the last five minutes and we just can't get to all that. That's right. At the time because no matter what, you know, they, when the time comes, it gets cut off. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. The network guys say it's time. So yep. it's time. Yeah. Yeah. But we still got what 17, 18 minutes. Oh, yeah. So uh, give us a call at 433-1433. Talk to the good doctor who's a little bit sleepy today because you've been I up, have been up since one thirty a.m. this morning um, with, again, having to get my daughter to the airport. She had a 5.20 a.m. flight this morning. So, um, And, of course, she is just a tad bit of a procrastinator. Um, so I might have had to gone a mile or two over the speed limit to get her to the airport in time. <laughs> and then she also had to literally... Uh, barge through the security and just excuse herself all the way through because there was no way she was they were she got a notification they were boarding her flight and we were still driving down transit road oh and they were boarding okay <laughs> so um it was a it was a very stressful morning this morning getting her there but we did get her there successfully um she did text me that she got on the plane and she is currently um she actually is in Florida for a, a very close friend of hers wedding um this weekend. So she'll be back Sunday night. And of course she informed me on the way to the airport. I said, So what time are you getting back in on Sunday? She goes, Oh, Dan, I forgot to tell you. It's one AM. <laughs> one AM Monday morning her flight comes in. Oh. It's like thank you so much for the heads up on that one. Yeah. So uh do I stay I up late or get up early? I will. No, I will have to get up. I will never stay up to that. Way. I am not a. I am not a night person. I am an early morning person. So, um, I definitely will be uh, uh, going to bed a little bit earlier that night to try and catch at least a couple. If I get a couple hours, I'm fine. Right. It's all good. Yeah, I understand that. I've turned into an early morning person myself the last couple of years. Yeah. Working here until then. Before then, I was a. I was a musician, so I would go to bed always late about the time that I now get up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I actually prefer getting up early and is to. You go know, to it's bed your, late. I, I went through a transformation many, many years ago. Um, there were two friends of mine back 
when I first came back to Lockport to start practice and I was going to the Y to work out and this one guy who became a patient of mine, he says, you should come in the morning, you know, to work out with us, you know? And I'm going like, what time you were? He goes, well, five o'clock. I go, are you crazy? I thought that was the most insane thing in the world, but I really wanted to hang out with these guys. And I really wanted to, you know, I wanted to have somebody that I could work out with then uh, rather than being by myself. So I tried it and I did it. And then, and then I kept doing it and I got used to it. And you know what? I've been doing it for over 35 years now. And I am definitely a morning person. Um, I love being up super early. I mean, I, my usual time up is five o'clock. Um, I don't go into my office until seven 30 in the morning. So I have two and a half hours that I get up, do what I need to do, take care of things, make sure my wife has coffee. You know, I, uh, do some reading. I do, you know, sometimes just be still and quiet, you know, and nothing else and just, you know, contemplate what I'm going to do for the day and stuff like that. So not a bad thing. Yeah. Not, a but bad always thing. more productive in the morning. Yes. Yeah. Get everything done. Get your priorities list absolutely the most important things get those done first and that and and the one the one thing that started with that was the exercise because it, you know i would work all day and then i would go try and go to the gym at night and it was always an excuse there was Too always a, something came in the way you had to go somewhere you had, had a meeting yeah you, you, you had meals and then when we had kids it was difficult so that way you know i get up i go do it and it's done and it's done before anybody else even wakes up so it makes it uh, much more productive for me understood well, it's about quarter to 11, and uh, we are talking to Dr. Ken Curbs from Curbs uh, Chiropractic Family Wellness. He is located at 741 Davison Road here in the city. Of, is that city or town? I, city. It's still a city of Lockport? Yeah, okay. I am, I'm right on the edge. Yep, yeah. Okay. Professional Park is still in the city. Okay, good. Yep. All right, and if you would like to have a consultation with him, you can call 434-0671. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> Four, three, or four. you can contact me directly at drkencurbs at yahoo.com through email. Ooh, yes. Um, call my office if you have a question or concern. Um, I do have a live answering service when we're not in the office. And so they will certainly get a message to me quite quickly. You know, so um, if it's something that you just, you know, you just want to chat about, that's one thing. If it's any kind of emergency situation, you know, always call the answering service and leave a message. I will get back. I always return my calls. Yeah, that's so. cool. I, had a, I did have a gentleman text during our conversation asking about the water lilies he said i'm sorry i can't call he's at work <laughs> you know, he can't call but uh, i gave him your office number okay great he yes. said and he wanted to know if you are giving garden tours this year yes i am yes yeah, so so my house oh, so for people um i believe it's um the lockport and bloom garden walk and i'm gonna just i'm gonna just pull up my calendar here for a second that is coming up in uh, july and it is the weekend of july 14th 15th and 16th you know, and uh, my gardens will be open during that time. I'm also on the um, National Open Gardens through the, all of Western New York. And so my gardens are open every Friday in July from 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. And I'm there for that. So um, people can feel free to come in that. There's actually, um, there's a, for the National Open Gardens, there is a booklet that's available. Um, in different places, uh, it's for purchase again. To, but it lists all the gardens um, in in all of Western New York that are open either on Thursdays and Fridays um, throughout the month of July. So it's a nice opportunity. So for like the the Lockport Garden Walk, um, that's a very busy weekend. A lot of people come through um, my house. Um, I've been I 
I think I'm the I might be the only garden that's originally started. This is year 20 this year. Okay. Um, and so I've been on it all 20 years. And um, sometimes, I mean, since the pandemic, the crowds have been a little less. It's definitely picking up. But in the, in the, in the heyday, I would have sometimes seven to 800 people come through in a, in a weekend, um, which is a lot of people to go through your yard. But it was awesome. I really enjoyed that. Wow. Yeah. 700 people trampling through here. Yeah. And you know what, though? Everybody, I never had anybody that wasn't very respectful. Uh-huh. Um, so I never, you know, afterwards, you know, I have a very big property. So it's not like people are confined to a real small area. Right. You know, so um, it's not like my, my property looks like it's been trampled after afterwards by any means. People are, you know, they kind of space themselves out and it's timely and it's, it's really nice. Um, the, the Fridays in July, though, during the, um, for the National Open Gardens, there's always a much smaller, there's not a lot of people come through. Again, a lot of times tourists that come in the area will find the booklet and they'll find those things, you know, and they'll come and that's really nice. I've had people from all over from, you know, other countries and, you know, all over the United States and stuff like that. So that's always kind of nice. Um, I enjoy that. But that's also a time where I have more time to talk to people. And sometimes if there's nobody else around, I'll walk the property with people and explain things to them and all that stuff. So it's kind of neat. Yeah, it's enjoyable. Very good. I just got somebody texting me, I don't know. Related to us? <laughs> yeah, he said, I'll take some lilies. <laughs> Oh, is that my buddy Mike? It is, yeah. Mike is listening. What, are you taking Friday off, you slacker? <laughs> is he talking to me about that? No, yes. I'm talking to him. Oh, okay. Okay, because I take every Friday off, so I do not work on Fridays. That's right, um, so you don't yes. have to be a slacker. Right, so I know I don't. No. Oops. 4340671. Right. I'm just texting him yep. your and number. This, it just, he, if he just leaves a message with his contact information, and I will um, get back to them. Yeah, he's got a real nice uh, garden pond yep. with fish and stuff in it. Yeah. Very, very cool. Very cool uh, place that he lives at as well. So we still got 10 minutes, Doctor, and nay a call. I'm four, surprised. Three, three, one, four, Some of my three, regular three. people I haven't heard from. I know. Where's Joe? And, uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> another guy. Yeah. Jeez. But that's okay. We still, There's always plenty to talk about. We just keep it rolling. Yep. Absolutely. So, you know, this is a time too that, um, oh, I wanted, I wanted to share something about, um, a particular patient of mine because it was brought up when I was speaking at the garden club Wednesday night. This particular patient of mine is a member of that, of that garden club, but she wasn't there that night. And, um, when she was in my office two months ago, it was still winter. It was still a little bit rough outside, but things, it was a nice day out. And she comes, she doesn't live in Lockport. She lives, I think, in Tonawanda or something like that and came to me. And afterwards, after she, I got done with her, she said to me, um, I think I'm just going to go take a walk around the neighborhood. I just want, I didn't get my walk in this morning. I think I'm just going to hang out here and walk around the neighborhood. She goes, it's okay if I leave my car in the parking lot. I go, absolutely, no problem. So she went out. And I didn't think anything of it. I, I said, and she was just going to go home and no big deal. All of a sudden, 15 minutes later, she's back in my office with her glasses smashed, her face all abrasion bruising, her hand, her knee. She was a mess. Now, she's in her early 80s. Oh, no. Okay. But she's a very active, good 80s. 
Well, she there was an icy sidewalk and she slipped and fell down the block from me and went right down, face down, uh. face right into the right into the sidewalk. And I'm going like, oh, my goodness. Well, I checked her out to make sure she was OK, like that she didn't need to go to the hospital or anything like that, you know, and then we got some ice on her. And stuff, and then it clicked in my head. So one of the one of the things that I utilize uh, many times, especially personally or with my children, is a homeopathic remedy called arnica. It's called arnica montana. It's a homeopathic remedy that's specifically used for traumatic injuries, bruises, sprains, strains, breaks, things like that. Fortunately, I had some in my office, just my own personal thing. I don't, I don't utilize it in the office, but I had some and I had a brand new vial of it. And, um, I told her, I says, look, this is, I says, I want you to take this now. And then I want you to take it every hour for the rest of the day. Do not miss an hour. Set an alarm, take it every hour for the rest of the day. Now, since the woman hit her face and and scratched her glasses and cut the bridge of her nose, that's the kind of injury that the next day you're going to look like a raccoon right. because you're going to have two black eyes and significant bruising and all of that stuff. I said, look, it, I've utilized this when my daughter had um, reconstructive knee surgery due, a, due, a, due to a torn ACL and two of my daughters had wisdom teeth taken out. Um, Arnica was the, was the method of choice when they did that. From the moment they became aware after their surgeries, I was giving them Arnica every, every 30 minutes for about five or six hours and then every hour for the remainder of the day and then for the next couple of days at least three to four times a day. None of my girls ever took pain medication. They never had any bruising. They never had anything. They recovered beautifully from it. So I utilized the same strategy with this patient of mine. And I said, you take it, do not miss, and keep doing it. So um, I called her that night to see how she was. I called her the next day to make sure she was okay. Um, And then she came back three weeks later. And when she was in my office, I knew she was in the office, but I didn't see her. So I ran out in the reception room and I, I quickly looked at her face and I go, God, you look great. She goes, she goes, I cannot believe it. She goes, no bruising, no nothing. It, it, it's truly, it's truly a remarkable, um, a remarkable little product. You know, it's not a drug. It's a homeopathic remedy, but it's, a, it's amazing in, in how it's effect. Um, and uh, it's interesting because I didn't learn about it in in the conventional healthcare field. I learned about it um, through a veterinarian that I know. And uh, but I mean, it's a, it's a very well known thing in the naturopathic community. But um, I learned it from a veterinarian, and um, it's incredibly effective. It is not an animal based medication. It's not a medication. It's a homeopathic remedy. Um, they're very quite different. They don't interfere with other medications or anything like that. But it was remarkable. I expected to see two incredibly black eyes. And a lot of the other bruising because she did injure her knee, her hand as she fell. Um, she had she was ab- three weeks later she was absolutely fine wow. with no residual effects. So it was quite quite remarkable, especially for an older exactly, especially for that. Yeah. Um, but again, she's a woman who is under regular chiropractic care. She is an avid exerciser. She's an obsessive compulsive gardener like I am, and um, and she is very conscious of her diet. And so that's the kind of person, you know, she's a 80 plus year old woman who doesn't take medication and doesn't, you know, lives her life the way that it was intended to, you know. And so as a result of that, her recovery was quite remarkable and good, 
you know, there are plenty of 80-year-olds that would have fallen and broken a hip or smashed their face in or broken a wrist, and she didn't do any of that, you know. Hardy so, sock right there. Yeah, yeah, you Hardy. know. It, it really hardy, but again, hardy in the fact that it was conscious. Like people will say to me, because I have five kids who have been always so incredibly healthy and pregnant, people say, you're so lucky. It's like it has nothing to do with luck. It has a, it has to do with the conscious decisions that you make as far as how you choose your health care and how you choose your diet and your exercise and how you live your life. That's what makes the difference. Not, you know, what happens in our society is we literally wait until our bodies fall apart. We abuse them with not a exercising we abuse them with food i mean our the, the american diet standard american diet is atrocious on what people are willing to eat you know and do to themselves we wonder why we have such a high obesity rate such a high type 2 diabetic rate things like that you know you know those things didn't exist those you know it was interesting because you know 50 years ago there wasn't such a thing as type 2 diabetes it was always called adult onset diabetes and now when you've got five and six-year-olds having type 2 diabetes, they changed the name because they couldn't call it adult onset anymore because of the atrocious diets that these kids are on. Now, it's different from type 1 diabetes, which is an autoimmune disease where the pancreas is attacked by your own body. And that's a totally different ball game and a different, a whole different problem. But type 2 diabetes is induced by what you're eating and your lifestyle, okay, and can be reversed, by what you're eating and your lifestyle, you know, so, and yet in, in conventional, um, allopathic medicine, we don't do that. We just treat it with drugs and just drug, 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 drug. And then, you know, when the pancreas can't handle it anymore, they start injecting with insulin and stuff like that. Now, again, per personal example, my own, so people who know me know I'm a twin. I have a twin brother. Okay. My twin brother's health path has been very different than mine. My twin brother is totally disabled, can barely walk 20 feet without assistance, um, extremely over, overweight, um, on a list of medications a mile long. And in a conversation, I said, you know, I, I'm concerned about you dying before mom and dad die. You know, this was before my father passed away. And so I started sharing, sharing some things with him and I just told him. This is it. I just laid it out there. I didn't care what he thought. I didn't care what he said or anything like that. And so um, what I didn't realize is he actually listened. Oh. Okay. He actually listened. And three weeks later, I hear from my mother saying, oh, your brother did what you told him to do. And he lost some weight. I'm going, interesting. Now, I realize my brother started out at 350 pounds. He's my twin brother. Okay. We're not identical. He's always been bigger than me, but never that way. Right. So here's an example. In the past five months, my brother's lost 65 pounds. Oh, good for okay. him. He was taking insulin. Now, he was taking multiple oral medications for, for, for diabetes, but also insulin. He was on 160 units of insulin a day. That is insane. Absolutely insane. He is now down to 24 units of insulin a day from 160. Wow. Okay. Only by diet. Okay. And so when, when people say, well, and his doctors are like going like, what are you doing? What's happening? What are you doing? You know, and he goes, nope. He just keeps, he monitors his blood sugar religiously. Um, and, and the doctors are monitoring it religiously and he is doing amazing. So, you know, it is about diet. It is about what you're putting in your mouth and how you're living your life. So, you know, it's a choice you make, you know, 
come and talk to me about it sometime. You know, I'd love to help anybody in those type of situations. So, and here we are. Wow, running out of time as the uh, we are as the tunes start fading in and they start cutting us out. So, all right. Well, listen so much. Thank you so much, Doctor Ken. Always a pleasure to have you here. We'll see you again in two weeks. And we'll pick up where we left off and uh, get the collars rolling again. Everybody's going to know you're back, and uh, we'll have a great time then. Until then, this is WLVL 1340 AM streaming worldwide at WLVL.com. Have a glorious day, folks. We will see you soon.